At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Just the voices, just the voices. Cry it out. Come on. Tell them how good he is. Let's go. You are good. And in the morning I say you are good. And in the evening I say you are good. You are good to me. Keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. Keep on getting better, you keep on getting better, you keep on getting better, you keep on getting better. Last time, you are you are good, and in the morning I say you are good, and in the evening I say you are you are good, you are good to me. Father, you are good. You're better than we could ever hope for. You're better than we could have ever imagined. You're good even when we don't feel good. You're good even when it doesn't look good. So we say thank you in the name of Jesus today for bringing us here together as a family. Thank you that you've called us your sons and daughters. Thank you that you've called us friend. Thank you that you've called us more than friends. You've called us co-heirs. So King Jesus, today by the power of your Holy Spirit, Open our minds and soften our hearts to hear a word from heaven. A word from heaven is enough to keep us going forever. A word from heaven is everything that we would ever need to get through any difficulty. So right now, as we search your sacred scriptures, as we read from the word of truth, would you reveal yourself to us, perhaps again or afresh? We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Together we say thank you, amen, and hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. You may be seated, friends. You know, I've been singing this song, uh, the song that we just sang. It's our first time singing it from the stage, but I've been singing it for about a year. It came out about a year ago, and every time I sing it, I think about Woodside Pontiac. You know, I just think about our, our faithful family. I think about our fellowship, and it's not always good, right? You can give a big amen if it's not always good at Woodside Pontiac. It's okay. It's okay to be honest today. But, but you know, God is doing something beautiful here. And I praise him for all that he's doing and all that he's done and all that he's going to continue to do. And as I, as I think about this song and like I think about how my, my church family has changed my living. How my church family has changed my loving. And I just can't stop talking about it. Right? And I want to tell people about how, how much good stuff God is doing in our church family. And, I, and it's like, you know, when you have a really good dinner at a good restaurant, you got to tell somebody about it. Or if you've got an extra ticket to uh, the Steelers game, right, Ken? Well, they're not playing this weekend, but the Steelers game, right? If you got an extra ticket to a team that's not a Detroit sports team, you got to tell somebody about it. You want to invite somebody into that experience. It's an opportunity that you have to share. And this knowledge of goodness, 
This knowledge of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, it invites us into a changed life. It invites us into a changed way of living, a changed way of loving, and it's an opportunity that you have to share. You know, and, and these stories and gassing up our local church, because I love that I get to call this church my, the, my family's church, that we come here, that's our, our local church home. We were coming here before I got paid to come here, right? We love this church. And Peter, the apostle, as we're going to see in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22 today, he had much of the same idea, where he said, if you have tasted this, you got to tell people about it. Or if you have seen this, it changes your living and your loving dramatically, right? That, that Peter heard these words from Jesus, and he's giving these words to the followers, to the new believers, the new Christians, the people that were the elect exiles in the dispersion. And he's telling them the same thing that I'm telling you today, that we are called to taste the goodness of God. That, that's a big idea of our message today is taste the goodness of God, right? That we know from the Psalms that we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Peter is going to uh, recite that today where he's going to say, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. And I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good in a local church family. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good here at Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac. And perhaps more than any other season in our lifetimes... We need to taste and see something that is good. Amen? All right, maybe y'all are doing okay, but 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of people, right? I've heard over and over again, I hope things change, or I hope things go back to normal, or I hope things never go back to normal, or I'm hoping on the government, I'm hoping on a paycheck, I'm hoping on my family. Peter gives us this living hope. That we've been born again into in Jesus. He is the one who will never ever change. He's the only thing that we can hang our hope on. Knowing that it will return full. Now perhaps 2020 has been good to your family. You know perhaps things are going okay with you. And that's good. It's, it's been good for a lot of people. It's not been doom and gloom for everybody. But I have seen loads of increased pessimism. And distrust. And hopelessness. And if you're there today. You're actually in good company because I believe that many followers of Jesus over the years have felt that way. I think about the disciples of Jesus that on the day he was crucified, their hope was gone. Or so they thought. They didn't know how the whole story was going to unfold. They just knew that this is not what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. But when we can fix our eyes on the risen Jesus, that it shapes our living, it shapes our loving, it shapes our view of the world, it shapes our view of our desires, our feelings and affections. And when our eyes can be fixed on the risen Jesus, we can understand, believe, and hope that God will get us through it, whatever we're going through. That's why we've been preaching this series called Unshakable. The subtitle is Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. We're going to do this series for eight weeks. It's going to span a total of ten weeks, but eight sermons in this series. And we're on number three, where we're going to be in First Peter chapters 1 and 2 through the entirety of this series. And we're going to see really just like one big idea from Peter, right? Now we're preaching these in separate sermons, but all these ideas kind of carry on with therefore, so, because of. Of, since it's one big thought, one big idea from Peter, and again, we're going to pick up in verse 22 today, right where we left off last week, and we're going to see 
how Peter calls us to love one another. Peter calls us to taste the goodness of God. Peter calls us to grow up and love. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, let's everybody turn together in your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can see the words on the screen right behind me, but church is a great place to bring your Bible to. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, how are you ever going to know if I'm telling the truth, right? you got to read it for yourself. You need God's word more than you need my word. So let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 starting in verse 22, where after Peter spends really the entirety of chapter 1 calling the elect exiles in the dispersion into this living hope that they've been born again into, which is the outcome of their faith, the salvation of their souls. And then he spends the rest of chapter 1 telling them that you're called to be holy, that God your Father is holy, so you are supposed to be holy. And now he's going to inform the way that we love one another. Would you join me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22? Join me in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your sacred scriptures. God, I pray right now that as we've had a fast morning probably, that you would slow it down for us today. That you would slow down our minds, slow down our hearts, that our racing thoughts and racing feelings would be put at bay so we can see your truth. Holy Spirit of the living God, in the name of Jesus, please reveal yourself to us today. Reveal your truth to us today. That I can't stand up here and pray hard enough or preach hard enough. Holy Spirit, you have to do it. You are the only one that can give us ears to hear or eyes to see. So please, would you equip us and anoint us to hear of your sacred scripture today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, so only two points today. The first point is simple. Love one another. Let's try it together. Love one another. Let's say it again. Love one another. How about with everybody? Okay, good. Yeah, I, I can only hear me when I scream in the microphone. So I don't know if you guys are ever keeping up with what I'm asking to do. All right, so love one another. Let's look at these first four verses. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22, going through verse 25. Having purified your souls, again, present tense, so it's the same thought. Having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So Peter, carrying on with these ideas of, you know, the elect exiles that, and how they've been called to love, how they've been called to be holy. He's carrying on saying, here's how you're going to do it. You have to love one another. And what he's saying immediately is, if you've professed faith in Christ, that you are called to this brotherly love. A genuine brotherly love. An earnest love from a pure heart by obedience to the truth. And, and this word uh, sincere uh, means genuine or, or without hypocrisy, without fake it right fake love is not love at all amen a couple of you get that real good right anytime you hear hypocrisy in the new testament think of a mask right that somebody has a mask on that's how jesus used it in the sermon on the mount when he called people hypocrites that they had a mask on concealing their their true person it also says that we're to love each other earnestly which carries the idea of continually or without ceasing not love towards one another when it's easy to be loved or easy to be lovable this is something that is supposed to continue and all of this is supposed to come from a pure heart 
an unmixed heart, an unadulterated heart, an unblended heart, a heart that when we understand the truth of the gospel, when we understand that we've been born again into a living hope, when we understand that prophets prophesied about these things, not for themselves, but for us, when we understand all these things that Peter has been saying, he says, verse 23a, since you've been born again. So uh, if, if none of this stuff is making sense to you right now, don't hang up the phone, right? Stay on the call and we're going to get there, right? It's going to make sense at the end. But since you have been born again, he's talking to a very specific people. He's saying that loving others is the believer's nature. Now, this might sound a little bit confusing because I'm going to speak in a tense of what is, not what should be. If we are in Christ, he has tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. If we are in Christ, we are actually loving. If we are in Christ, this is the marker of our faith family, that we love one another, right? Jesus says in John 13, that the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Now, it doesn't always look like that in church. Thank you. I knew somebody was going to give a good amen because people don't always love each other all the time at church, right? There's a lot of people wearing masks, right? There's a lot of people. That's why Peter is telling us that you have these things. These things are if you are in Christ. And if you don't experience these things or see these things, Jesus is not in the way. Jesus' work is not ineffectual. Who is the problem? I am. Say that. Not you are. Not pointing to me. I am. The first service did that. They were like, you. I was like, no, what? Me. <laughs> we are. All of us. We are the problem. But earnest brotherly love and affection is who the Christian is. That, that is our very nature. And if we are caught in an illusion, we need to get rid of that today. So what if you haven't experienced this stuff? What if you haven't? felt this way? What if you haven't been born again? Again, I just want to encourage you to not hang up on me and, and stay on the phone. We're going we're gonna to get there. So Peter here, in the second half of verse 23, going through the first part of verse 25, he cements this undying nature. He says that this is your nature because of the living and abiding word of God. Remember, God's word does not stop change. God's word does not die. It's living. God's word does not, you know, get flaky. It's abiding, right? This stuff is and it stays this way. It's what gives us a new life in Christ. Peter's contrasting this idea of perishable and unperishable. Perishable and imperishable. He's saying that like the grass and like the flowers, like all flesh, it is perishable. It will die one day. All of our bodies that are made of flesh will die one day, right? We can look outside and see leaves are dying, right? Grass, leaves, flowers, flesh, it's all perishable things. He's saying the seed by which you have been born, your flesh, you were born. We were all born in, in these bodies that it's going to pass away one day. But he's saying you are a believer not because of that perishable seed, but because of an imperishable seed. So your undying nature is brotherly love. Your undying nature is being born again to a living hope. Your undying nature is to be holy as God is holy. Now I'm not saying that it happens like this all the time. We get in the way of ourselves all the time. In fact, we get in the way of each other all the time. That usually gets a better amen when you're pointing the finger outside of yourself, right? But since we've been born again, that, that we have this, this promise, that it remains forever, Peter's calling us and those who are his original addressees here to do what we've already experienced. Now, if you haven't experienced this kind of love, this kind of love is best fleshed out in one place, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fully known, 
fully accepted, fully loved. It's an amazing privilege of love that can only be found in one place. You can't find it in the world. You can't find it in political parties. You can't find it at the gym, at the store, at your job. It is only found in the gospel. So Peter is saying, since you've been born again, or if you've been born into this living hope, that this is your undying nature. And you understand the fullness of this love because you've received it. So if you haven't received it, you probably don't understand how to give it. But receiving the gospel fully, receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way that we can do this. Christ's expectation is that this completely alters our way of loving and our way of living. Remember last week how we talked about the scripture's most common definition of the word holy when it's ascribed to God is not perfect, is not pure or righteous, it's different other than that God is different than everything else he's other than everyone else so we are called to be holy as he is holy so what Jesus is saying here through Peter he said this to Peter now Peter is writing this to the people that are in the church fellowship that he is leading is that this should change everything about your life since you've been born again we're called to follow in his footsteps and love one another and we know how to do this only if we have experienced this love through Christ now a body of people who have been born again is characterized by one primary thing love that if we can actually truly love each other and if it doesn't feel like that if you're not experiencing this love perhaps you've never experienced the love of Christ fully perhaps you've just been to church a bunch but you haven't experienced the love of Christ fully this imperishable seed that we've been born again by but if you have and you don't feel it it's not Jesus it's you it's me it's us that are in the way. We're to be known by our love for one another. But what is love? What is love in a context like this, right? How many of you know a hard-to-love person? How many of you are a hard-to-love person? Come on, yeah, there you go. That's good, right? Now, it, it is hard to love hard-to-love people. I get that. But it's not impossible. You know how I know it's possible? Because all of us are here. Because Jesus looked upon us and he said, you are very hard to love people. He's like, no boy, right? But I love you and I'm going to send my son for you. Hard to love is what Jesus did on the cross for us. Hard to love is giving yourself as a sacrificial lamb. He's saying, I'm going to model this because you're going to need this. Because I want to restore fellowship and communion with you. Holiness. As my people and me as your God, I'm going to offer this so that you can experience this love and then in turn give that love. Now hard to love doesn't just mean people that don't believe like me or people that don't behave like me. Hard to love means betrayed. Hard to love means hurt. Hard to love means people have done things to wrong you. And again, I've seen it because I know it's possible because that's exactly what we did to God. We betrayed God. We hurt God. We turned our back on God. But he's still, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we are called to love one another. The mark of the body of Christ is love. The mark of a local church fellowship is love. The mark of discipleship following the ways of Jesus is love. It does not say, if you vote this way or that way, the world will know you're my disciples. It does not say, if you have this opinion on a pandemic, the world will know you're my disciples. The Bible does not say that if you look all put together and you act right and say the right things at church on a Sunday, the world will know you're my disciples. It says, the world will know you're my disciples 
disciples by the way that you love one another. Can you think of a more relevant time in your life for this message? Can you think of a time in your entire life where the world needed to love more? And not love out of, I want to get something for myself. Or not love for the sake of peace. Love because someone died for it. Love because someone looked at my life and said, I love you, you're worth it, and I'm willing to die for you. That is real love. Not, not just playing nice, not just keeping it cool, not just getting the things we want. Real love is bloody. Real love is messy. Real love is painful. And this is why Jesus told Peter, and Peter called these people, and we are called also by the word of God to love one another. And if you're finding difficulty loving one another, then perhaps you need to look at Jesus a little bit more. Perhaps you need to say, have I been fully loved by Jesus? Have I really experienced in the way that I pray to experience every day in my own life, I was so far from God. And he looked at my life and said, I love you. And I'm going to die for you. But we forget about it every now and then, right? Because as we mature in Christ, unfortunately, that usually means we get boring and legalistic. You can laugh. It's okay. It's, it's kind of a joke, but it's also pretty sad. But we need to understand the depth of our depravity for our Savior. When we understand that, that's when we can really love one another. When you understand how fully and deeply and holistically you've been loved, that's when you can love your neighbor who doesn't believe or vote like you. That's when you can love your neighbor who doesn't believe like you or behave like you. That's when you can love your neighbors as I'm working on every day that drive way too fast on my street when my kids are outside playing, right? I'm still like, I'm mad, but I'm learning how to love you, brother, sister, right? I'm working on it. So let's think about it as a church. As a capital C church, right? The body of Christ all over the world. The body of Christ at home. But also as a local church. A local spiritual family on mission. A local faith fellowship. How are we doing? Think about the month of September. Think about your conversations. Go ahead and look back on your social media posts. Hopefully you haven't deleted them by now, right? Because they weren't loving. But look back and, and see, like, am, am I fully embracing the love of Christ? Am I fully embracing this and because of that, loving others? That I can then teach people how to love me, not try to teach people a lesson on how not to offend me, right? I feel like that's what we do so much more commonly. Here's the way you need to think, look, act, and behave so as not to offend me. When what we really need to do in the church is say, here is me, flawed, vulnerable, and I, I'm trying to help you learn how to love me because I'm trying to learn how to love you. That when we can learn how to love one another, yeah, you can clap for Jesus for that. That's for Jesus. We're so concerned with being offended. Jesus. Jesus was offended far more than any of you ever will be. Okay? And if we want to be glorified with him, we have to suffer with him. It's not that popular, but it's truth. Okay? So what do we do? Peter says love one another. What do, we, what do we do now? Like, what, okay, I get it. That is right. That is the right answer. Amen. What do we do? We love one another. So how do we get there? Right? And this is a little bit harder. Point number two is that you got to grow up. We have to grow up and love. Love one another sounds nice on a Sunday morning, right? Only one person's talking, so I can't disagree with anybody else. I can only disagree with one person. But we have to grow up and love. And if you're a kid in here right now, I want to I wanna point to your in-class assignment. If you're a child, hold this up. Come on. You got it. You got your, you got your in-class in assignment. There's eight blanks on here. If you get six of the eight blanks, I've got a prize for you right outside after church, okay? 
Even 75%, that's not bad at all. That's just like, that's just passing. Usually I would demand eight out of eight, but six out of eight. And I got something for you outside, okay? So if you're a kid and you weren't paying attention, I bet you are now. I got something in my pocket that I'm sure you want. Okay, so point number two, we grow up and love. We've been called and commanded to love one another because that's how the world will know we're disciples of Christ. We now must grow up and love. Let's look at the first three verses of chapter two. So put away all malice. Again, you see present tense. So put away all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So we see that love is not just an idea that we ascribe to. It's not just a heightened sense of mind. That it actually requires us to do something. That love is a verb, right? It requires us to do something. Now we understand Christ's love, and I think probably all of us in here, most of us at, at least, understand in our mind the love of Christ. We can recite the Bible verses, but do we truly know the depth of love that has been offered to us on the cross by Christ? And if your love is weak or small or cold, brother, sister, I will challenge you that you have not experienced fully the love of Christ. If you have experienced fully the love of Christ, then you will love one another and you will grow up and love no matter how messy it gets, no matter how painful it gets. Jesus' model was not come into the, the world and remain clean from anybody that was dirty. Jesus' model was I'm coming and I'm going to get it all over me and I'm going to love them anyway. Okay? So, Amen. <laughs> Peter says, grow up and love. It's not just something that we say, it's something that we do because we've been born again by this imperishable seed. If you've been born again, this is your undying nature because the word of God is undying. It's living and abiding all the time. This is the thing that saved us, not your good behavior, not your church attendance. The living and abiding word of God has caused us as the imperishable seed to be born again. Peter says then, put away. Now, this word put away in the Greek that Peter was writing in means to take it off of you and discard it, right? It would carry with it the idea of taking off a soiled garment and putting something new on, right? So Peter says, he gives us this list of five things. And as you're reading the New Testament, you'll see lots of lists of five things or seven things because it was very common of Greek philosophy at the time to make lists of five or seven. So Peter gives these five things and he's saying, here's the things that you need to put away. If you've been born again by this imperative seed, this is what you need to put away. These are the things that destroy other people. These are the things that undo relationships. These are the things that cause communities to be burned down. Malice, a general word for evil, usually containing with it the intent to do harm. He's saying, take it off. Deceit, the, the practice of concealing the truth. Hypocrisy, as we talked about earlier, wearing a mask, the idea that uh, I'm, I'm claiming to be something, but I'm not living up to it. That's hypocrisy. Envy, rooted in covetousness. And I think envy is what we're facing more than anything all over the world today. And it's not because you drive a nicer car than I do, or your bank account has an extra decimal point. That's not the envy I'm talking about. We are envious, like lusting for power over other people. Power over others that I can exert my will. Slander, speaking evil of someone to bring them harm. 
All of these things are sins that destroy relationships and communities. So Peter goes on for all of chapter 1 saying you're elect exiles in the dispersion. You're born again to a living hope. The prophets prophesied about this. But, but it wasn't for them, it was for you. Angels actually long to look at what Jesus has done in your heart. Heavenly beings are amazed by what Jesus has done for us. Then he calls the believers to be holy because our heavenly father is holy. And then he gets to chapter 2 and he's like, if all this stuff is true, you got to take that stuff off. Right? You got a big, huge barbecue sauce stain on your envy, right? Throw it off and put on Christ. Put on as God's loved ones. We see this in the book of Colossians. We see this in the book of Ephesians. We see this idea of taking off and putting on. That if you are in Christ, you're a new creation, a new creature. You don't have to wear the old stuff anymore. You don't have to wear the stuff that, you know, you don't have to wear the malice that has spit up all over it. Get rid of it. Take it off and wash it, right? There's this idea of these soiled garments that Peter is talking to people that have proclaimed to be born again. He's saying, you got to get rid of this stuff. That if we are called to love one another and we're called to taste the goodness of God, then we must grow up and love. And Peter continues on here in verse number two, right, where he, where he talks about this pure spiritual milk. But, but where's the best place that envy, hypocrisy, and all these things can be revealed to us, right? Many of us don't know what we're going through. The best place is authentic biblical community. When you are in authentic biblical community with other brothers and sisters in Christ, you will find out real quick if you are being deceptive. You will find out real quick if envy has a hold of your heart. Because a brother and a sister in Christ, not a coworker, not somebody who you watch the game with, a brother or a sister in Christ will say, hey brother, you got to take that off. That does not look right. That does not fit you, right? A sister in Christ will say, hey sis, no, you got to take that off. Right? So authentic believers, authentic spiritual community is the place where we can take this stuff off. Otherwise, what are we doing? Hiding. We're hiding because we like our preferences. We're hiding because I want to be in control of not only myself but everyone around me. And if I keep everybody at a distance, I can control how much of them I get on me. That is not loving one another. That is not growing up and loving. That is not tasting the goodness of God. That is not the imperishable seed by which we've been born again into. Being married is probably the closest relationship that I can imagine of being in a biblical community. I thank God that I have a lovely wife who loves Christ more than she loves me. Uh, yeah, you cheer for her. Yeah, cheer for Rachel. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, but I have learned more about myself since September 5th, 2010 than I ever wanted to, right? And I've learned a whole lot about my deceit, my malice, my hypocrisy, my envy, my slander, and a whole host of other terrible things. But in a relationship with somebody who is dedicated to Christ, you will see those things and those things will be called out. And if you love them authentically, you will take it off. You will put those things off. I've had to put away my own preferences to love my wife and my family better. I've had to put away my own preferences so I can ultimately love God better who has loved me perfectly and fully. We have to put away these things so that we can truly love. Peter is telling us that the only way to truly love is that we must put away these things that destroy communities and relationships and grow up into love. Verse 2, long for the pure spiritual milk. 
So Peter is saying, this is how you grow up. That you have to crave the pure spiritual milk. Now what's the pure spiritual milk? It's not just simple words for simple people. This is the thing that you craved and were hungry for and nourished your life upon your rebirth. Upon being born again, being regenerated. The pure spiritual milk of the word is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. That you are loved fully even when you are disgusting. That you are loved fully and you are still loved fully even when you choose to walk away from Jesus. When you choose to go out and do yourself, you are still loved fully. Peter's saying you got to crave this stuff. That this pure spiritual milk, the thing that sustains you and helps you to grow when you were first born, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you got to go back to that. you got to crave that. you got to be hungry for that. you got to be hungry every day for the gospel. you got to be hungry every day for looking at your life as a hopeless sinner and saying, thank you, Jesus, that you have given yourself to me. He's saying, regardless of maturity, this is how you grow. The gospel is how you will grow up and love. When you understand the gospel anew, afresh, every day, when you don't just do Bible studies in Philemon or Ezekiel, but you get to the gospel every single time, that is the root of all of our Bible studies. That is the root of every message that is preached. It is Christ crucified so that sinners might be saved, not so that bad people could be good people, so that dead people could be made alive fully in Jesus Christ. This is the answer to all of it. That, that we can grow up into this salvation. Salvation is a moment in time, but sanctification is salvation spread out over the eternity of the rest of our lives. When we get to eternity, we don't need salvation anymore. We're in it, right? We're fully in salvation. So then what does he say in verse 3? If they have tasted that the Lord is good. So now you can pick the phone back up if you, if you wanted to hang up on me earlier. If you haven't tasted that the Lord is good, I don't expect you to crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. Because you've never tasted it before. But if you haven't tasted, please, please eat it today. Drink it today. Understand the depth of the gospel today. Understand the imperishable seed by which we have been born again into. Understand the pure spiritual milk that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we don't have that, we can't ever fully love anybody. We can't even love ourselves if we don't understand our worth and our value. And our worth and our value is not dictated by what we think about ourselves. I was reading a book that somebody gave to me the other day. It said, the only way to dictate your self-worth is to think you're worthy. And I was like, that is heresy, bro. No, that's wrong. The only way to dictate my self-worth is to look at Jesus. Because if I look at Jesus, he's the one who called me worthy. Right? I, I can't make myself worthy. I can't think myself worthy. I can fully receive it. And I can think I'm worthy because Jesus did. I can receive my worth because Jesus gave it to me. But I can't make that up myself. I can't do that myself. I have to look at Jesus. So if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Peter is saying the Christian life is not just instantaneous or, or easily attainable, right? If you pray a prayer and then everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows from there on out. It's a lifelong process of growth. So Peter wants us to grow up as a church. He wants us to grow up in love. We can't be who we used to be. We can't do the same things over and over again. We have to manifest this growth, right? That if Judah continues to, he's gone. Where'd he go? He's in the nursery, all right? <laughs> right? If, if my little baby be, continues to be the same size forever, he's not growing, right? We used this illustration months ago that at a one-year-old's birthday party, when they eat the cake, what do they do, right? They smash their face in it. They get it all over the place. But if they do that at their 18th birthday party. 
It's not cute anymore. It's not fun anymore. There are Christians who have been in church for 40 years that have turned one 40 times. There are babes in Christ all over the place who are good people that are going to church. But we're not really growing up. Growing up in love. That if you find it difficult to love those around you, you got to look at Jesus. That if you find it difficult to grow up and love in the church where we are supposed to be a family. And I get it. Families can be a very hurtful place. And I get it that, that moms and dads have let us down. But this family will never let us down. Because the Father will never leave us. Because the Father will never forsake us. Now I get it that it might not be easy all the time. But this is the family that we've been called into. So do you crave the spiritual milk of the word of God? If you don't, there's only two reasons why. Either you've never tasted it, so you don't know what you're missing. You don't know that, that you need to crave it. We made a mistake, I don't know how long it was, maybe a year and a half ago or so, where I gave Ezra a taste of soda. What's he want every time he wants to drink something, right? Soda, because he's tasted and seen that he likes it. If you have never tasted the spiritual milk of the word of God, the pure spiritual milk of the gospel, the full gospel, you got to taste it today. you got to understand that you can be loved no matter what you've been through. That you can be fully accepted and fully known no matter what you did last night. No matter what you were doing this morning. No matter what you feel like today. That the gospel is available for you. That's the, that's the first reason of why we wouldn't yearn for the spiritual milk of the word of God. The worship team can come back up. We're, we're just about done here. The second reason you wouldn't crave the pure spiritual milk of the word of God is because you're not hungry. Because you filled yourself up with other things. Because you filled yourself up with the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. Because, I mean, how many of you, are, how many Costco members out here? Come on. Go ahead. Raise your sinful hands. I'm, I'm here too. I get it, right? How many of you have filled up on the samples that when you get home, you're not hungry anymore, right? We fill up on these samples, these cheap things that aren't real meals from the world, and we're not hungry anymore. Because I'm filled up because I'm eating up everything the world's offering me. I'm eating up the algorithm that Facebook tricks me with every day. I'm eating up money that I can make at work. I'm eating up prestige and power that I can find throughout the world. So I'm not hungry for the pure spiritual milk of the word anymore. Peter is saying, you got to go back. Every single day, this is how you grow up in love. It's not that you have a diet that is only milk, right? There's milk and meat of the word. It's that you crave the thing that nourished your life immediately when you were reborn, when you were born again. So you've either never tasted it or you're filled up with something else. So friends, what if this is it though? Like, what if right here, Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac, or, or any local church. What if this is where your vulnerability is finally broken? What if this is where your distrust of church folk, pastors, and men is finally healed? And I say it like that because I've heard it like that for six years. What if this is the place where God's calling on your life is finally revealed to you? And I think what we keep doing is we go out of here and we look for it everywhere else. Because we just think we went to church. This is not an event, this is not a building, this is not a place, this is our family. What if in your family is the place that all the things that are broken in your heart can be made whole again? But because we hide behind masks, because we hide in vulnerability, 
And we never get real with somebody. So we can never get healed where we have to. Where we shove all the junk in that drawer that we, that we uh, stuff stuff into when company comes over. We do the same thing when we walk into church on Sunday morning. That we're scared to cry. We're scared to raise our hands. We're scared to say, I don't really want to listen today, Pastor. But, but what if this is it? What if a spiritual family on mission? That this is where all your healing can be. That, that letting your walls down, letting your guard down for the first time in your life. So that someone, a brother or a sister in Christ, can really see you. And really know you. And really love you. Because they're walking with the Lord. What if it's right here today? And what if it's right here every day? What if it's right here next Sunday? What if it's not just a message that I'm excited about? What if this is really it? What if the local church is it? I don't have to stand up here and try to convince you. Jesus already did. This is what he died for. This right here. Us. To live together as a family. He died for this. This is the church Jesus died for. Not Woodside Bible Church. But brothers and sisters who are willing to come together and say, I don't want what the world has to offer for my, for my worth and my value. I don't want what the world is continuously giving me to fulfill my desires and my affections. I am craving the pure spiritual milk of the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I want to taste the goodness of God. So I want to invite you to your feet, friends. Let's all stand up out of reverence for the Lord. And remember that we're called to love one another. It's who we are. It's not a choice of how we behave. It is who we are to fully love one another. No matter how painful it gets, no matter how messy it gets, because my God is the God that will heal every pain. My God is the God that will clean up every mess when it's time. But sometimes he wants us to live in that mess for a minute. Sometimes he wants us to sit in the undone nature of this because he's remaking a heaven and earth, because he's renewing all things, because he's restoring all things. And what if he wants to use you to do it? So we're going to sing a song called The Goodness of God. And I want to encourage you. There won't be a benediction after the song is over because the song's not going to end today. That the band may stop playing it, but you got to sing this song as you walk out. you got to sing this song as you get a gift in your hand and you give because God has been more than generous to us. As we walk out, as we give praises to our Lord, as we tell somebody about what we've tasted and seen and that it is good. I want to encourage you to make this more than just words on a screen, but make this the answer to the question of what if this is actually it? What if I don't have to go to work to find my value? What if I don't have to make money to earn my worth? What if I can find it right here with my brothers and my sisters loving me and me not teaching them how not to offend me, but teaching them how to love me also? If we look around, there's a lot of differences amongst all of us. We're all different from one another. Doesn't matter if you look identical to somebody, you're different from them. This is what Jesus died for. This is what the world needs to see because this is the goodness of God. Father in heaven, I love you and I thank you. I trust you. All my hope is hung on you, Jesus, because I, I know it can't get fixed in the world. I know it won't get fixed at Amazon or Quicken or Walmart. I know Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram doesn't have the answer. I know Donald Trump and Joe Biden can't fix my life. So Jesus Christ, I'm giving it all to you right now. I'm surrendering it all to you right now. May we taste and see that you are truly good and truly satisfying. We love you. 
We praise you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's worship, church. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.